1: Uh, We have Pastor Max Giorgenti who's going to be sharing a word on a new thing. So, can we welcome him at this time?
0: Good morning, everybody. Buongiorno. Look at your neighbor and say Buongiorno. Make sure you roll your R's. It's good to be here. Uh, We've been friends of this house for decades, so we thank God for your partnership with us. We thank God for Pastor RJ's continued partnership with us. It's good to be here. I'm going to join uh, in my uh, thanking, remembering what they have done for our country and for the world, and in thanking the veterans for their service and those who are serving in the present I shared some things during first service. You can see it online about how my parents were involved in uh, in, in the World War, and my dad was in the Italian Resistance. He was a partisan because Italy, you know, you know, there, there were two World Wars, right? and Italy, both times at the beginning, picked the wrong side to be on. <laughs> they didn't learn after the first. They didn't remember so that they, they tried it again in the second. But my dad didn't go for that, so. And then after the war ended, he joined the Italian Navy. And then he worked uh, in NATO, and he worked at uh, NATO base. And so we thank God. Amen? Amen. But my mom and dad had different experiences. And uh, again, I talked about that first service. So, and I'm going to continue. So I I talked about something during first service, and it has to do all with uh, the goodness of God and hope and consolation and the future. And so... I'm going to build on first service, so this is part two. This is a new thing, part two, part the the return. A new thing, the return, and so uh, it, it'd be good if you uh, God or you you hurt you you when you have time when you go home. You hear to part one because we'll build on that, and uh, I need to just go through some things in the uh, book of Jeremiah in order to just impress something that God is a God of hope. In the midst of the darkest of circumstances, he's a God of hope. And he's a God that always gives a future. I think that uh, objectively... End times or eschatology is possibly the most messed up and confusing part of the doctrine. You know, in the sense there's so many interpretations and so many, you know, different way you can go from like doom and gloom you know and preaching from the latest headlines you know and just being being bound to that oh my goodness these the missiles and this and that and the other right and that might not be the best way to do eschatology is using the newspaper it'd be much better to to do it using the word of god Amen. right and then even worse than that you know so the doom and the gloom it's all over we're gonna die the end. COVID is the end of the world, right? To to uh, you know to even worse, fighting over it, right? So you know you can be millennial and millennial, you know, believe in the millennium, not believe in the millennium, and you know you can be pre-trib and mid-trib and post-trib, or you can be mid-rapture, pre-rapture, post-rapture, no rapture, lots of raptures. And here's the worst thing, we fight over that, right? Therefore, violating the spirit of what Jesus said. In the Olivet Discourse, he said, you know, there's going to be terrible things, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and this and that. And then he says, in a rather surprising twist, like, okay, you told me all these terrible things, Jesus you made like the head on on the back of my neck stand out and I feel like freaking out and having a panic attack. And then you nonchalantly say, but just don't worry about it. And Pastor RJ, certainly don't fuss about it. You know, if you're not going to worry, you're not going to fuss about it, right? And I have a, a clear and very strong opinion on all this. And since it's a minefield, I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> because my point is, why can't we be friends and get along? Why fuss over something that Jesus said? Don't fuss over it. So I have a slightly different approach, right? Because, uh, and so, what does that have to do with this morning? It has to do with this, that even though things are really messed up today, fear not. Don't get anxious. Don't worry about it. Because you're violating by worrying the very spirit and the heart of what Jesus said. And I'm going to prove it to you using uh, the, a portion of the book of the prophet Jeremiah. So in the New Testament, it talks about a new covenant that God will make with the house of Israel, and when in the book of Hebrews that verse is quoted, it's quoted from Jeremiah chapter 31, so let's jump to that please, just jump right to Jeremiah because as I said, it builds on this morning, okay, so to make sense of it, you have to listen to both services, so here it is. So this is what the Lord, no, no, uh, Jeremiah 31, the one before that. So Jeremiah 31, I I will make a new covenant uh, with the house of Israel. It's just before that. I will make a new covenant, right? Not like the one that I made, uh, right, Uh, in the past. But after those days, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. This verse, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, is quoted in the book of Hebrews. And it's the new covenant. It's the new birth. It's the age of the church that we live in now. It's the age of the Holy Spirit. And this is verse 33, though. So we have to work our way down to verse 33, because we're going to back up. So Jeremiah prophesied, and, and the wonderful thing about this is to Um, put it in context. Context always really helps. Because the picture that we have is that Jeremiah said this, you know, when he's lying on a beach, a beautiful beach in the Middle East somewhere, drinking a coconut drink and everything is going fine. And there's the brush of angel wings, you know, uh, cooling him off and and he's just there suntanning. And then he just has this glorious vision like that. And it's not, when he said this, he's like in a pit because the king not, not the invading king his own king threw him in a pit cuz he didn't like what he was saying and so Jeremiah prophesied you know that uh, the 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 uh, people of Israel were in bondage at the time of Moses 1500 years before Christ and so and then they came back from Egypt and that's the time of Moses the parting of the red sea and then they were in the wilderness Then about a thousand years later, because Jeremiah prophesied around 600 BC, uh, they were about to be in bondage again, and they were about to be deported again, this time by Babylon. And so Jeremiah prophesied just before that, he prophesied during that, and then he prophesied after that. And so this is Jeremiah 31. In chapter 25, Jeremiah says, you know, there's going to be a bondage for 70 years. Israel, so give me the scripture, yeah. The entire land will become a desolate wasteland. Israel and the neighbor, neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. So you say, oh my God, is the end of the world. You know, for them, it felt like the end of the world. And so we can understand the goodness of God and the character of God because things are cyclical, right? Humanity, we're supposed to remember and learn from the past, but usually we don't remember and we don't learn from the past, which is tragic, right? And so, and so it's happening right now, you know, in Europe, which is where I minister. And you understand that uh, the, what's happening in, in, in Russia is felt, really strongly in Europe because you understand that the distances are different. Uh, Toronto to Thunder Bay is still Ontario. Toronto Thunder Bay is like Rome, Moscow. And you go through Italy, Austria and Switzerland and Germany and Poland and, 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 and the, uh, and, and the, and uh, the Czech Republic, and, and Moldovia and Slovenia. So you go through uh, vastly different countries and cultures. Uh, here we go to Thunder Bay, and it's all Canada. It's all Ontario, not even Canada, Ontario. How would you feel if there were missiles going off in Thunder Bay? That's how they feel in Italy. That's how we feel in Italy. How would you feel if in Thunder Bay, if, if we say, you know, in Thunder Bay, there's a danger that the largest nuclear plant, we don't have one in Thunder Bay, but I'm saying they do in the Ukraine. It's the largest in Europe. You know, could just blow up at any time. We could have some kind of a reaction. How would you feel? Right? And so what does God do in those times? Because whether we're talking about the times of Moses under the Egyptian bondage, or we're talking about the times of uh, Jeremiah, uh, when they were invaded by Babylon, or oh, we're talking about the 600 years later, the times of Jesus when the Romans came and raised the, the temple and Jerusalem to the ground again, God's reaction is always exactly the same. He's not the cause of evil, but he comes in and redeems. He gives hope and a future. Amen. So why should, we, why should this be any different now? Why should we all die now and why should God abandon us now? He didn't at the time of uh, 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 Moses, He didn't at the time of Jeremiah, He didn't at the time of Jesus. Why would He do it now? Man changes, but God does not. And so Jeremiah said, Right, in uh, yeah, there's going to be 70 years, but then he says this in, in chapter 29. He says, but you know what, right away, because God doesn't, does, does not let us know something about the future without providing a way out. He's not the cause of the deportation. God is not the cause, put it in modern terms, he's not the cause of COVID, he's not the cause of, 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 of whatever it is that is happening today, evil, he's not the cause of it. But he is the one who makes the way out. So look at, he says, but you know what? This is what the Lord says. When the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back. I want to prophesy to you this morning. God is bringing you back. You're coming out of COVID. You're coming out of this mess. You will be fine. In fact, you'll be stronger than before. And I'm not saying this because I dreamt it up last night. I'm basing it on something much more solid. Peter said, you know, I was there at the transfiguration, in his epistle he says, and I heard the voice of God. And it was wonderful, and it was solid, right? If you hear the voice of God and it's legitimate, it's not because, you know, that if you eat uh pizza late at night with lots of anchovies and hot peppers. You can have all kinds of dreams. And that mean, they're from God, right? But if it is from God and it is legitimate, right? It's a wonderful thing. But Peter adds, and he said, I heard that voice, but you know what else I have? I have the sure prophetic word of God. He's talking about the prophets in the Bible. So I'm prophesying to you this morning based on the everlasting love of God and his unchanging character. You cannot find one time in the Bible, you can't find one where trouble came upon someone or the people of God, and in the end, God didn't get them out and they were better than before. Ask Joseph. Pit prison but his latter days were better than the earlier days because he trusted God. He lived his last days in the palace. Ask Job. You know the book of Job, he suffered a few months and then in the end, was he better off or, was he better or worse? Better. 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 Double. Get ready for double. I'm gonna tell you again, I didn't dream it. This dovetails into the goodness of God Pastor Archie has been talking about the goodness of God. I'm just water. One plants, another waters. God gives the increase, right? So, but it's not because I dreamt it, you know. I I dreamt, I fasted all day. And I did study, I did pray. I didn't fast and I slept last night. I didn't dream it last night. I am basing it on the sure, unfailing character of God and love of God that like he did it in the past, he's going to do it this time. There is no indication that he's going to abandon you and not step in. Amen. It would be a violation of the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the character of God that I cannot go along with because the word of God never fails. So he stepped in. He didn't cause the Egyptian bondage. He stepped in at the time of Moses got them out. He stepped in at the time of Babylon and got them out. He stepped in at the time of Jesus and the Roman Empire no longer is, but the church is. The Roman Empire does not exist, but the church of Jesus Christ does exist today. Because that rock that is the word of God, think of Daniel, right? Crushed all those empires and it's the word of God that did it, not, not, not missiles, not interballistic missiles. You can look for them in the word, but they're not in the word. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You understand the grasshoppers in Revelation are not Apache helicopters. Do you understand that? Yes. Right? but there is a sword that comes out of Jesus' mouth and he strikes the nations with it. It might be a nice fantasy that you like, you know, that God will blow your enemies up, but he did say, love your enemies. I don't want to burst your bubble or anything, right? But he does strike and rule, but he does it with the sword, which is the word of God. And the rock is Christ. The preaching of the word will cause any, we can, with the word of God, we can, we can put up a standard and back off these ideologies that are around today, which are designed to destroy everything that God stands for. Amen. All right, everybody tell me, concentrate, Pastor Max. I need your help. Come on. Well, we're not going to get down to verse 31, right? So I gave you the context. And in this context, we come to chapter 31, which is the verse, it's, it's, this is the part of the book of Jeremiah that's called the book of consolation, right? And it's the only passage in the Old Testament that talks about the new birth and the new creation. I will make a new covenant and write my laws, God said, in their heart and in their minds, which is talking to us, right? And so in verse two, look at what God says in verse two. In verse two of Jeremiah 31, God talks about those who have survived the sword. Do you see it? Those who, are, I'll, I'll quote it, you read it. And I'm just, I'm just going to emphasize certain words just for the sake of time. The, the sword, those that have survived the sword, all right, will find favor in the wilderness. I'm going to give you a few keys to... Unravel A few key words to unravel Jeremiah, because uh, we're not, unless you are Jewish, uh, in, 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 that's your background, right? Most of us are not. We're Europeans, we're Canadians, but we're not Jews. And so some of these words don't mean much to us, but they meant a lot to them who heard them at that time. And, uh, and they are code words for things that are really, really important. So the sword and the wilderness are really important. When you say sword and you say wilderness, to us, it's archaic. We don't think of sword. We don't use swords anymore. And we don't have wilderness in Canada, not in the sense of desert. But to them it's supercharged because who else survived the sword and was in the wilderness at the time of Moses? And Moses was really big. So anyone who read this at the time of Jeremiah immediately thought of what God did at Moses' time because they were in the wilderness and how they survived the sword in the wilderness and how God parted the Red Sea. And even though they were rebellious, fed them while they were hungry and water came out of the rock. It's a time of wilderness, but it's a time of miracles too. And it's a time of God's intervention too. Yeah. And if, if we don't connect the dots, so it's, it's it's spiritually and theologically and emotionally charged for them. And it has to become so for us. You know, it's really easy to do today. I get, I've been teaching Bible school for 40 years. And one of the common questions that I get is, uh, how do you study and how do you prepare your sermons, right? Here, it's really easy. I connect dots, I don't, I don't see scripture as a piece here and a piece there and a piece there. I try to connect dots and more and more, the more I preach, the more it, it, it's all connected. But you can do this today with your Bible in your phone. If you just put in wilderness in your Bible program, in six to seven seconds, all the verses on wilderness will come up. And if you read them in your search, you will get a sense of what God is saying. Because you can never take a scripture by itself. It's connected to the rest of the Bible. And so think of that, the wilderness. And wilderness was a physical place, literally. But it's also a code word for a place that every human being goes through. I think that for the past three years now, but the first two of these three years, we have gone through wilderness called COVID. Yeah. The wilderness can be caused by a Pharaoh, can be caused by, by, by a Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, or it can be caused by a virus, yeah. right? But we've gone through a wilderness because Abraham went through the wilderness, Isaac went through the wilderness Jacob went to the wilderness he wrestled with God in that wilderness Rachel she's mentioned in this chapter went through the wilderness and Jesus when he was just born with Mary and Joseph went through that same wilderness there is that wilderness where Jacob's well is and Jesus met the Samaritan woman if that wilderness could talk if that if that well could talk The apostle Paul, after he was born again, he went in that wilderness and Jesus revealed himself to it. So you can either die or find God. And the choice is yours in how you react. I chose to find God and redemption in the wilderness, not dying in the wilderness. Are you with me? So it's a code word for a stage that we've all gone through. It's like it's like the the uh, the the sterile matriarchs. You realize that Sarah was sterile, Rebecca was sterile, Rachel was sterile, uh, Hannah was sterile. Do you understand? Elizabeth was sterile. So sterility is something that we all go through until we learn how to bear fruit. There are places in life where you either die and give up or find God. And it all depends on your reaction and how you relate to God. Yeah. If you're busy blaming God for the wilderness, and you'll die there, <laughs> right? But if you, if you detach blame from God, you're not blaming God. God doesn't cause evil. He sees it. We live in a fallen world. Say, why is this happening? Let me, let me give you the why. Because we live in a lousy, fallen, stinking, sinful world. That's why. Right? That's why. Just settle it like that. Right? But God, what does God do? He sees it and he intervenes and gets us out. Is that good? So the wilderness will start to connect the dots. And what do you find in the wilderness? Grace. This NIV says favor. It's the word for grace. Are you finding grace in the wilderness? And you know that grace is not deserved by definition. Grace is not based on performance, right? So if it's not based on performance, then why are you either blaming yourself? What did I do wrong? You know, I think I do things wrong. I think you do things wrong if you're human, but you didn't do anything particularly wrong to cause COVID. Or to deserve COVID. Because if it was based on merit, we would all die instantly because none of us deserve anything. <laughs> right? But it's not. Grace is what you find is you pick up and go on. It's the strength to go on. You found grace in the wilderness because you're sitting here. You're not listening to me. Listen. Listen. The fact that you're sitting here in church and you're still worshiping God after all this chaos that we've gone through, and it wasn't probably just COVID. These three years, I ask this everywhere where I preach. On top of COVID, right? Who else has gone through some ridiculous things? See, hands go up everywhere. It's been like, seriously, God? Last year, last October, it's a year ago, after two years of COVID, I was ready to start traveling again. The itinerary after months of crying, God, what do I do? Because that's how I make a living, right? That's how God supports me. I go, I preach, I share vision and, and they give offerings. Apart, Those that preach the gospel, live off the gospel. I'm getting, I wasn't doing anything evil. I wasn't fooling around. I was in the car with my wife. We had just done the Schwab so I could get on the airplane and start traveling again because I was supposed to go to a conference. And a crazy person hits us and we got in a bad accident. See, and, and we, I had to stop. I had to cancel the trip. I'd never done that before. This was Thursday. Saturday, I'm supposed to be out West preaching at a large conference. You, do you understand the shock of it? Instead of that night, instead of being on the airplane on my way to Washington State, I was in an emergency room where I almost lost my thumb and Connie was seriously injured. See, and that's after two years of COVID. That's the moment when you say, God, really? It's kind of like the Apostle Paul. Remember the Apostle Paul? He's going to Rome obeying God. He gets in a shipwreck. He survives a shipwreck. He's still wet literally, from the shipwreck. We put a chapter break there, but it shouldn't be there. It's the same passage. They're not doing anything evil. They're not out getting drunk. They're making a fire to dry themselves and a viper hits me. See, that's the time to ask why and that's the time to quit. (laughs) Really, God? Chicka, 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 still wet, right? The storm is not enough. A stupid viper has to bite me too? (laughs) Holy cow! And that's not your first pulpit comment that would come out either. (laughs) And you say, and you'd be justified. But here's my point you know, people that unfortunately have quit. You didn't quit, you're still here. You survived the sword. You survived the wilderness somehow and you found grace. Yeah. You could have quit and then gone to psychotherapy and the psychotherapist would back you up. Say, you're right, you're right. You should have quit. You know? Yeah, that's a reason to quit. But you didn't. Now look at verse three. Verse three. Look at verse 3. In verse 3, it talks about the everlasting love of God. Amen. You see it there? I have loved you with an everlasting love. I drawn you with unfailing kindness. So we have this powerful, powerful love of God that never ends and that we don't deserve. It is powerful, it is personal, the love of God I'm talking about, and it is deep. So I can stop blaming myself and I can stop trying to perform to get the grace of God and the love of God and just receive it. Like, God, I don't get it. I don't understand why this viper, but you know that, It's not recorded that Paul said anything. The viper, because see, the viper, you know, vipers bite and let go. This son of a gun bit and held on. (laughs) Because COVID bit, but it's trying to hold on. Other waves, other variants, other this. The scary, this, 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 and I want to go off pulpit language here, but you know, this Thing is biting and holding on. And, and Paul just so so it, it, you know, Luke is being ironic because he got Paul with his arm out and the viper hanging on. And I, I, I picture that moment when I meditate in the word, I, I see things, I picture it. There's a moment where they made eye contact, <laughs> doesn't even say anything, doesn't even say in the name of Jesus, he just shakes it off. Go like this, go like this. Just shake it off. Just go like this. The best way to, def- to, to deal with the devil is to pay no attention. You're not killing me. I'm moving on. Yeah. And you can always count on the love of God. Yeah. Amen. And you can always count on the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Verse four, in verse four, God says, I will build, right? You, thank you. (laughs) And you will be rebuilt. Refer to first service for uh, an expounding of this, or I'm not going to make it to verse 31, (laughs) right? But you will be rebuilt, reinvent, right? Reimagine, reinvent. We're going through a thing where God is just, uh, 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 you know, causing us to do things that we weren't ready for, that we weren't prepared for, that we didn't know how to do, that nobody prepared us for. Verse five, here's a promise of God. Now remember that God is saying this, right? While they're in captivity, because God is the God of hope and he's the God of consolation. And he says in verse five, you well, now they are enslaved in a foreign country. They're deported. And he says, you are going to be planting your own vineyards. That's verse five, right? Plant the vineyards. Now connect. Do, do grapes, right, in your search. Where are you going to find grapes? Back in the other wilderness, a thousand years later, earlier with Moses. Moses. When in the wilderness, they sent out the spies and the grapes had such big clusters that they had to stick them on pole and they came back. See, you might not think of that, but they did. It's charges. Oh, that's how it works. So now we're about to be deported, But with Moses, a thousand years earlier, it was a wilderness and there was a sword and there were grapes and it's gonna be like that. So we're gonna see the Red Sea parted again and we're gonna see water from the rock and we're going to see the quails and we're gonna have manna and we're gonna have miracles and God is gonna turn this around and we're gonna be better off than we ever were before. So you can put on the shelf the doom and gloom prophet that says you're going to die; it's the end. And no, it's not. <laughs> Am I doing okay? Amen. You will plant. So that that's that. See, that's talking about uh, 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 abundance, isn't it? It's talking about prosperity. It's talking about put it in 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 language in our century. You're going to be promoted. You're gonna start a business that will flourish. You're planting it. You're doing it with God's grace, but you're doing it And it's going to flourish and you're going to start a new business that nobody has thought of or reinvent your business in a way that you haven't thought of it because that's what grapes for them is, right? And you'll eat them as ordinary food. It means that it's going to be like, even though it's luxury food, it'll be like every day. See, now we got other viper coming. Recession, 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 recession. Well, Jacob was in a recession, recession, and God gave him a hundredfold. You got to choose. You're going to believe. Uh, yeah. Haha. Uh-huh. And it's a good thing that I'm not just saying this because I'm a positive preacher and I woke up this up and I dreamt it to make you feel good because I want a good offering, you know, or something like that. That wouldn't fly because it's, it would be dead words. I'm basing it on the everlasting, prophetic, unfailable word of God that goes out and never fails. So it's on a good, solid foundation that I'm prophesying to you. In verse 7, it says this, talks about shouting for joy, right? And praising God while you're in captivity. See, now, that's a challenge right there, while you're in captivity, because that's difficult to do, you know? Lamenting and mourning and, and complaining would be an easier way out and a more natural reaction. But it says, you're going to sing, and you're going to shout, right? And you're going to praise you're going to bump in the pulpit, right? You're going to praise, right? But before you see anything, we're doing okay? Yeah. Verse eight, God says, remember, they're in, everybody say, they're in captivity. Say, they're in a bad place. They're not a good place. They're in a bad place. And God says, I'm going to bring you back. Bring you back. Does he say that? I'm going to bring you back, Right? Bring you back. Are you ready to come out of this? I'm ready to bring, be, be brought back. Are you ready to be brought back? I'm ready for it. Amen? Are you ready for it? I will bring you back. Go back to verse 7 for a moment. Bring back verse 7. I wanted to say, see, sing for joy, shout, right? Remnant of Israel. Think of remnant, right? Remnant, okay? Think remnant. Now give me verse eight again, right? And he says, I'm gonna bring you back. Now, I brought out remnant because the idea, the religious idea that we have a remnant is just a few people coming back, barely making it. Is that the way it was in the first wilderness when they came out of Egypt? Egypt? They came out with silver and gold and not one feeble among them. And a multitude came out. That's Christian religiosity, remnant theology. It's wrong. You're going to come out and you know who's coming out? What does the end of the verse say? A big throng. Do you see that? A great throng. Everybody say great throng. There's not just a few of us that are barely making it. A whole bunch of us, a a huge multitude are going to come out of this really big. Better than we were before. I'm going to say again, thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Do you see that? It's a great throng that's coming out. Do you see it right there? A great throng. No one is going to be left behind who who doesn't want to be left behind. Join the club, join the party, (laughs) get on board. It's good, right? And then in verse 9, now look at verse 9, it talks about tears of joy, right? Tears of joy will stream down. And you think about tears of joy, like you see, also, you got, you got. You could be lamenting, but you're not. You got shouts, you got singing, you're doing by faith, and now you got streams of joy. You got all these emotions. Would you agree that these past three years have been this, a whole stream of emotions all mixed together? Would you agree? See, I'm telling you, it's in the word. If we get educated in the word, then we won't be unstable. We won't be shocked. Oh yeah, it's happened before. It's done, and it it's now, and I'm okay with it. I'm not gonna fuss, I'm coming out. Because God is my father. This is based on family. It's not because I deserve it. It's because he's my father. It's based on family, on relationship, on fatherhood. And I'm going to be closer to God than I ever was before. And then there's Ephraim. Everybody say Ephraim. See, we read it, pass over it. And it's a chart. Look it up. And it says Ephraim, my firstborn. You know what the problem is? Look it up. Ephraim was not the firstborn. It's not a mistake. It's done on purpose. Ephraim is Joseph's son. Remember Joseph? Thrown in the pit. And Manasseh is the firstborn. And Ephraim is second. Are you listening? But then they were brought to Jacob, grandpa, and he crossed his hands. He blessed them, cross, the cross. It's all in there. And he blessed Ephraim, right? And Manasseh too, but Ephraim became the firstborn. So what is God saying here? Two things he's saying. Here's what it's code for. Number one, the last will be first. I said the last will be first. The one that's supposed to be second, you know, it's kind of like Jacob and Esau, it's the same thing. See, these are recurring themes that we have to understand. Otherwise we read this and it means nothing to us. So you're the one that says you'll never make it. You're the one that, you know, the black sheep of the family. You're the one that says the second, you know, because it belongs to the firstborn, not the second. And God says, well, I like to kind of, the cross reverses things. And the last are first. And you're gonna come back full of hope. And then in verse 11, it talks about, look at verse 11. It talks about the, the, the redeemed and the God, the binding of the strong man has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Now, why, why Jacob and not Israel? See, it's the same thing. Jacob is a code, code word. It means nothing to us. You know that Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes. And God changed his name to Israel. At the end of his turmoil, his wilderness, his growth, his places in life, when he finally matured, he became Israel. But God does not refer to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He's called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why Jacob? Because Jacob, same thing as, as Ephraim and Manasseh. Jacob is the second born. He's the one that was born and was clatching on to the heels of the first born Esau. Esau and Jacob. And so, and God by right should have been Esau the one called and everything. But God said, no, it's Jacob. It's like, just like Ephraim. It's the same story. But Jacob is the struggling one. you ever struggled in life? Have you ever felt that you didn't get a fair shot? That you didn't have the same... Lots of people feel like this. That you just didn't get a fair shot like other people Well, That's how Jacob was born. He was born struggling. So it's Jacob because uh, obviously he is Israel. But Jacob, God uses Jacob because he's talking about the struggling ones. So... All of you who are struggling and all of you who are not perfect and all of you who have defects and all of you who miss it and struggle like Jacob did. He's your God. He's the God of the struggling ones. He's the God of the bad boys. He's the God, right? The, 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 the Israel Jacob, uh, theme is elegantly picked up by Paul in Romans 6 when he talks about the flesh and the spirit struggling. Israel is your spirit man who wants to love and forgive and, you know, and all that. And the flesh is Jacob, right? Who wants to grab someone's throat when they say something. It's an ever going fight. Anybody experience that? The fight between hope and despair, right? We got to hope, you know, and your spirit man is hoping, but the flesh wants to say, I'll quit, I give up. I've had enough of COVID and this scare and another wave and this and that. Dear God, you know, mask, no mask. I'm not touching that one either. It's a minefield. But I will tell you this. All sides will have to repent because none of us handled it well according to the Spirit of Christ of loving and forgiveness and the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe we discovered that we don't have as much fruit of the Spirit as we thought we did. <laughs> baby, baby, oh yeah. <clears throat> I just do that to break from intense things. I realize that was intense. It brought up... but. Fear not. We're doing okay, right? See, Jacob is full of uh, ransom, the stronger. Stronger than he. Jesus picked this up when he said, you know, unless someone goes in the strong man's house and binds him, right? Who's the Jesus went? In the strong man's house, bound the devil, beat him to a pole and we've been delivered from the power of darkness. Not afraid, hallelujah. Amen. Verse 12. Verse 12 talks about shouting, doesn't it? They will come and shout for joy on the house of Zion. So Zion is Zion physically, but it's also a code word for the church. We haven't we didn't come to Mount Sinai? We've come to Mount Zion, so see this word that's the same word and was good for the time of Moses, same words, wilderness, sword, this and that, and was good at the time of Jeremiah. I'm telling you, this is good for the church today because we are in Mount Zion. Yeah. We've come to Mount Zion, he's talking to the church, amen. You're going to see, there's the emotions again. You're going to cry, and you're going to do that, and then you're going to rejoice, and then you're going to deal with, you know, wrestling with the flesh, with the Spirit, Isaac, with Jacob. Sometimes you're Isaac, sometimes you're Jacob, but in the end, you're going to win, because, amen? Oh, hallelujah. Amen? Glory. You still with me? And then look at what it says. Look at the last part. They will be... Right, The bounty, they will rejoice in the bounty. Everybody say bounty. You see prosperity in that? Promotion, blessing, whatever your business is. Amen? The bounty, the abundance. Here's what awaits you, not doom and gloom, but abundance. Are you ready for abundance? Are you ready for a bounty? Come on, who's ready for a bit of a bounty here after... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen? We're doing okay? We're doing okay? Well-watered garden, right? Grain, new wine, olive oil. Wine and oil, think of spirit. The code word for spirit. What did Jesus do in his first miracle? He turned water into? Holy Spirit, right? Olive, it's anointing. It's a spirit. You're going to be full of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that in the workshop, right? Flowing with the Spirit this afternoon. Oh, hallelujah. Amen? Amen? Amen. Verse, Verse 14 talks about abundance again, right? I will satisfy the priest with what? Abundance. Verse 16 says, I'm bringing you back. I'm bringing you back. And I'm going to conclude now. And it comes down now. We're in our verse in verse in verse 31. See, it's the same chapter. And then he says, you know, God says, I'm gonna do a new thing. And it's not gonna be like the old. See where it's couched? It's not gonna be like the old one. This is where this is quoted in the book of Hebrews. So so I'm telling you that this chapter is was for them at the time of Babylon. You see what I'm saying, is for us today. Because God. You know, uh, 600 years before Christ, 2,600 years ago approximately, talked to them. But because the word is eternal and it applies in cyclical similar situations, God is talking to us today, whether it's the Egyptian bondage, the Babylonian bondage, or the COVID bondage, or the recession bondage, whatever it is, the word of the Lord is always the same. And he says, I'm doing a new thing, he says, Amen. right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready for this? The new thing? Right? And then in the midst of all this, right? In 29, give me Jeremiah 29, please. He says, I know, keep on going forward. It's after this. Keep on going. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. It's in the midst of this mess. It's in the midst of the mess. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So do you ever wonder, what does God think about this? You're reading it now. When you lie down tonight, think about the thoughts that God has. And he reveals them to us. And he doesn't say, thought, this is my will. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna work. And you need to be humbled. I gotta teach you, you gotta be crushed. You got all of us need to be humbled and crushed, and including first of all, you know, the sinners in Las Vegas, they should be crushed first. But God doesn't do that. Remember all the ridiculous stuff that came out with the Twin Towers, it was God's judgment on New York. Well, what is it why New York? Are they more evil than Toronto? more evil than Las Vegas, more evil than a country where they have open pedophilia, like what well, if God is going to do that, then he's got to crush everything, my alarm is going off, it says it's time to stop, or Pastor RJ will never invite you back again, he <laughs> wouldn't do that, is this okay, I need to give me five more minutes, okay, at the end, right? So is this okay? So wonder there, no, no, no. So in the midst of all this mess and evil, which God does not cause, God is not the author of evil. Lie down and bask in the thoughts of God because you don't have to guess. We don't have to guess. Lie down and say, God, I know exactly what you're thinking. Isn't God good that he gives us a glimpse in his thinking? As I lie down tonight and I go to sleep because I need sleep. You never sleep, but I do. Here's what God's going to think over you while you sleep. I have thoughts, right? I know the thoughts that I have for you. All right. And he says, and he says, they are thoughts of peace. Shalom. Everybody say shalom. Shalom. That should be well-being and wholeness. Shalom. It's not just peace, brother. I have harmony. It's a part of it. I'm not making fun of that. But that's not it. Only. It's very limited. Shalom. Is the absence of evil things and the presence of good things is wholeness. So you lie down, you think, God, I'm gonna go to sleep now, but I know you're gonna think all night of wholeness for me, ways to make me whole. Right? Isn't that a good thought to go rather than, oh, it's the end of the world and you're gonna get bombed and this, you know, I mean, if you do, you wake up in heaven. What's so bad about that? Okay, fine. Great. (laughs) But you think that with so many people in Canada that need Jesus? God, not time yet. Thoughts of shalom. And this is not of evil. So getting laid off, losing your job, another wave of covid another wave of fear, recession, right? Those are not the thoughts that God is planning. That's all I need to know. They may come, they may not come, but I don't care because God is not on that side. While all those things are unleashed by Satan, God is thinking of wholeness for you. She, thank you. She's helping me preach. It's good. She, that's good, I like that. I like them when you talk to me while i preach i talk to you you talk back works good amen, amen. to give you what it's always a future with god there's always a future with god god is the god of the future and god is the god of hope amen, amen. thank you for your patience thank you for your time If you put up just the books for a moment, I have, you know that we're missionaries to Italy and we minister in Italy. Canada is a mission field. Europe is a mission field. It's not just Italy, it's Europe. And I I wrote two books. One is called Fearless in the Light. I think it's a good book to read because it talks about how to stay calm in today's anxious, freaky, scary world. Right. And the inspiration for it was, I was a few years ago in the subway. How many of you remember the, horrible westminster a terrorist attack in london uk i was on the subway when it happened i was under there they stopped all the trains we were stuck under there didn't know what was going on above when i got to the hotel you know the hotel in the lobby they have the screens i saw see i thought oh my goodness this is happening here i was in london uk and then, you know, I talked to my, my family who was trying to connect with me because they were watching. And I said, Dad, are you okay, Dad? I said, yeah, I'm okay. I was in the subway, but they stopped everything. We were stuck there, but then I just got to the hotel. Dad, we couldn't reach you. I said, well, yeah, everything is jammed. We couldn't, we couldn't speak to anybody. But, and then one of my daughters asked me, how did you handle it? And I said, well, I, I did, you know, I do what I do. when I, I'm not preaching. Just, I'm not performing here. It's the way I live. When something, I didn't know what was happening in the subway, but I knew something was going on. So I just went to the psalm that I expound there, and I just applied the word. I stayed calm. And I said, well, if I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. I'll wake up. It's going to be great. But I don't think so. And then I stayed calm. So and Laura said, I said, you should write a book about that. So I did. So there that's the one. Makes a good Christmas present, too, for someone you know who's anxious, not even saved. It's cool stuff in there. And then the second book is Every Good Thing, and it's based on... Uh, Everything that God has done for you in Christ, right? So who you are in Christ, righteousness, peace, and healing, and joy, and new creation, holiness, sanctification, and so on. And it's a good book for in-depth study. And so thank you for going by the book table, because when you, when you do that, when you buy books, you help me preach the gospel. Another way that we put the funds back for preaching the gospel. And during COVID, you know, we grew, we've grown. The work has grown. We just graduated, a month ago we just graduated, 140 students. That's the highest we've ever had in our campuses in Italy. Go figure. But we found grace in the wilderness. I oversee 50 churches in Italy. It's an apostolic work. And I spend most of my time just visiting churches like I'm doing now and working with the pastors and blessing the congregation And so when you support Good News Ministries, you're not, you know, paying the rent for the church in Italy. That takes care of itself. You're helping me to travel. It's on me. It's on us. It's on Good News Ministries Canada. You're helping me to travel to pastors and no expense to them and spend time with them and helping them and building them up. And then you're helping us translate books. We now have translated 82 books and printed so that's what you're helping us do. You want to find out more, you can go to the book table. There's, project, you, you, know, you can help us with a Bible school students, sponsor them, help us translate a book, help us whatever God puts in your heart. We always appreciate it. Amen? And no, no amount is too small because you can't put a price on souls, on, 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 on helping people. Amen? So whatever you can do, we appreciate it. Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you that they they were so respectful and graceful and paying attention to me talking even too long father but i pray that you impress upon them uh the 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 that you're the god of hope that no matter how dark the circumstances might be you're the god of hope you're the god of consolation and you have plans in the plural not just one plan but plans for welfare plans for wholeness, plans, uh, for shalom, to give us a hope and a future, Father. And thank you, Father, that this is impressed in our hearts, Lord. And thank you that I bless everyone here this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Pastor R.J., thank you.
1: Feel free to stand with me at this time. Thank you, Pastor Max. And we will be taking up an offering for Good News Ministries today, so feel free to uh, either go online or at the box at the back or at the information center, sometimes the ushers have the buckets as well, and uh, we'll sow into some good ground and believe God to multiply our seed. Uh, I'm going to skip communion today just because it's really, really late, but you can take communion together at home or with yourself. Every time we eat, every time we break bread when we come together, Right? So, Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we could all be together. I thank you for the ministry of the word that's come forth and that your people can be blessed and encouraged. Lord, as we go about your business doing the work of the ministry, I thank you that you're for us, you're not against us, and that you're working all things out for our good. In Jesus' name. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go.